0: So with the pace of tech advancements globally, more and more people get their hands on uh, the internet and using tech products. Now, if you wonder how you'd go about building for the next billion users, then you'd enjoy this episode. You'll learn who these users are and their attributes. How my guest who is a uh, product lead at Google is approaching building these products with and also, we'll discuss his unique uh, reverse innovation technique that he leverages there, which could be basically the future of building technology products. Now, my guest today is Joris Van Mens. Joris uh, leads the Next Billion Users product organization at Google, which is focusing on building new products for the emerging markets. So get ready, guys, for a fun chat on building for the next one billion users with my guest, Joris. Hey, I'm your host Cyrus Shirazian, and welcome to PM Hub Podcast, a show dedicated to bringing you fresh and unique insights from product leaders and tech entrepreneurs. All right, Juris, welcome to PM Hub. Thank you, Cyrus. It's great to have you today, and you know, I'm very excited to talk about this topic of building for the next one billion users. So, but I'm curious to know, like, uh, as as PM, we all have different journeys. How was your journey into product like?
1: Yeah, uh, thanks, thanks for having me here, Saris. Um, I can quickly talk about that. So my, my journey was quite an uncommon one, I would say. I, I did always kind of build my own product as a kid. I, programming was one of my big hobbies. Um, but I studied economics, actually, in a university in Amsterdam. And then when I, when I finished university, I wanted to join Google. That was kind of my, my big dream to, to be working uh, at Google. And I found a job there also in Amsterdam, uh, first in sales. And so that was my, my uh, first job. I did sales for a while. Uh, then I actually switched to finance in, uh, in London uh, and then to finance in, uh, in the US where I did uh, the financial analysis for, for Android operating system as well as the Chrome OS operating system. And there I found this, uh, I was still building my own products on the side. I was building, I built like this, this little Facebook app, which got quite popular uh, and a build like some, some, some Google search from for all over the world, a uh, little web app, um, uh, which also got quite popular. And so I wanted to try my hand at doing product at Google. And I found an opportunity where I, a new organization was being started, which was the, the next billion users organization at Google, which looked specifically after emerging markets, so I was doing a lot of market analysis already. So I started pitching some product ideas to the new lead of that, of that organization. And uh, um, some of these ideas like uh, um, got some traction in different parts of the organization. And, and he asked me like, hey, why, instead of like pitching ideas why don't you try and build a little product around one of these ideas? So I assembled a team of a few engineers and, and, a, and a volunteer designer. And together we started hacking away and trying to build uh, a prototype of, of, uh, of a product. And that actually started going really well. And then after a while, this uh, lead of this organization, he asked me like, hey, rather than doing this in, in part-time next to your day job, why don't you uh, start doing this full-time? So that was my kind of entry into, uh, into the product world. And uh, that's what I've been doing since. It's been the last five years, five and a half years or so. I've been doing product um, uh, for emerging markets at Google. Uh, and now I'm actually the, the, the product lead for the whole organization. Um, uh, and, and, and look at after a lot of the products that uh, that we built for for markets such as India, Brazil, Indonesia, etc.
0: Very cool. What a cool journey! So you uh, studied economics, and then but you were doing coding, and then uh, you got into sales, and then kind of like it was a natural progression into into product. But you had that you know you you you're able to you know. A pitch and I kind of present to stakeholders but you had that technical savvy as well from coding uh, so it was kind of like a when I look at it as a product person you need to have both sides in a way and it kind of was a natural progression for you to get into product did you know what's product at all the, up until that point or
1: yeah I mean I, I I found at Google what it was but before I joined Google I wasn't actually very aware of, of, of what product was so um, but like being at Google it was very clear also that uh, the organization is very much built around product uh, if you look at the ceo for example Sundar Pichai, he's a product guy and uh, i bet the next ceo is going to be product guy so in general kind of the the line of uh kind of leadership at google is the is, is, is the product uh, role
0: yeah no i love it that's awesome man so yeah if you can give us a bit more context about these you know uh next billion users, you know, who they are, what, what are some of their attributes, some of their needs, values, motivations?
1: Yeah, um, so the next billion users, so we actually use the term in a weird way because when we say next billion users at Google, we actually just mean emerging markets. Uh, so we're thinking about like everybody in, in India, for example, but if you're thinking about the pure the frontier, which we refer to as, the, as new internet users, uh, that is a very, very interesting demographic. Um, you got to think that about, what, three and a half billion people are online right now. And every couple of years, another billion people uh, get online for the first time. And these are people that may be, so the next frontier there is going to be folks that um, uh, have less means, right? They don't have as much money as you and I have. Uh, They might be uh, not as literate as we are, definitely not in English, but perhaps also in other languages, not as much. Um, uh, So they... um, uh, they don't have. They've never used a computer, um, or at least they probably don't own a computer. So the smartphone is really their first way of uh, of using of using a computer or using the internet. So a lot of the kind of the icons and the the methods and the paradigms that we're used to from using computers are completely foreign to them. And so the think about the floppy disk. An interesting, always an interesting example, even for kind of today's youth. Uh, the floppy disk, which is the save icon, I think none of the next billion users will understand why the floppy disk means to save, or they probably just won't understand what that icon means in general. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, because I guess if you haven't been really, uh, you know, used to using uh, kind of like coming up with the whole floppy age. Uh, floppy disk age up until today, you don't really know it. That's very interesting. So, so how do you, how do you segment these users, Joris?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a good question. So I think we, um, so I, I talk about India a lot, and let me just quickly explain why that is. So if you think about where the next wave of internet users are going to come online, it is in a bunch of different places. China is an important one, uh, but India is another very important one. The other ones are like Brazil, Sub-Saharan Africa, those type of places. Uh, but we are very, so I- India is, kind of, is, is, is one of the largest places uh, for the next room users, but also, um, uh, also a, a place that we are very familiar with. If you look at leadership at Google, a lot of them are uh, coming from India. So um, it's, it's kind of our home market when we think about this demographic. So then when you ask me about segmenting, the way we look at uh, segmenting this, this, this demographic is a number of different ways. One is there's this kind of India one, which is the, um, the folks that clearly live in India, uh, but they are uh, in, in mannerisms and uh, behaviors, they're pretty similar to you and I. Um, so they'll, they'll do a lot of the, the same things that we do and have a lot of the same uh, technology uh, um, kind of behaviors that you and I do as well. So that's that's kind of the, let's say, the kind of richer folks in the big cities. And then you got folks from uh, from Tier 2 and Tier 3 cities, which is the, the slightly smaller, uh, still pretty sizable cities, um, where internet came probably a little later is not as, as commonplace uh, uh, as it is in the Tier 1 cities. Um, and you start seeing slightly different behaviors um uh for example tiktok actually did really really well in these uh, uh in in these tier 2 tier 3 cities in india um uh, really resonated with folks who didn't necessarily want to do all the kind of the manual browsing that uh, that you and i would do on youtube or on on other places but loved kind of the full visual interface and all these videos coming to them um and then beyond that you got kind of the the rural uh, uh demographics which is uh, that's really the frontier right now, where more and more people uh, in in rural areas, where a lot of the infrastructure is just uh, not very really developed yet, are coming online. And that is that is another very interesting demographic, very nascent, um, um, f- very nascent demographic, and also very difficult to uh, uh, build businesses on. Uh, right, there's just uh, the, um, these are just folks that don't spend as much money, so for businesses, very tricky to build solid solid monetizable businesses there. Uh, but definitely kind of a, a big new upcoming demographic in, in rural areas.
0: Right, right. Very cool. So is is I'm assuming the plan is to go after like the uh, like each of the tiers. Are you going to kind of like have different uh, plans in place and products for each of these demographics on a kind of like a roadmap, I'd say?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So it, it really depends on the product, I would say which demographic we target. So to give one example, we have a product called Camera Go, which is a, a camera, uh, just kind of your regular camera app for your smartphone, but it's specifically built for phones that cost like $50. So um, like a 10th probably of, of, the, of what we paid for our smartphone, if, if not less. Um, so there what we try to do is, is build a really, really good camera that takes really high quality pictures, uh, but on phones that are, being, that are being bought by folks that uh, uh, are, are, are largely new internet users, so people that don't, haven't had any smartphone before. Um, and so what we do there is definitely making sure that everything is very visual. So, for example, when you want to change um, your flash or, or something like that, we illustrate that with very clear pictures and animations, um, such that people that aren't familiar with those concepts, they can very easily learn how those things work. Um, so a lot of a lot of education goes in there, and that is retargeted really at at that wave of people that have never used a smartphone before. Uh, we also have some other products. Let's say Cormo, uh, which is a, a job finding platform that we have. Um, that is probably used uh, slightly less by people that are completely new to the internet, uh, but by folks that may have been on the internet for like a year or two uh, and are looking for a job. So there uh, we're not as uh, we're not as focused on uh, user education and like on the very basics of operating a smartphone, uh, but rather on kind of um, um, connecting them to jobs that otherwise they would only be able to get offline or through Facebook group or kind of in a very disorganized manner. Uh, so it really depends on the type of product and, and the way the, the people that it reaches um, on, on how we build the product.
0: Very cool, and I guess there was also uh, another app you're talking offline, Files by Google. By Google, Was this also designed for the next billion users and then I have in my hands or like, how does that work?
1: Yeah, most definitely. Well, yeah, that's, that's an app that I've worked on for a long time. Um, so Files is very interesting because what it does is if you look at those phones that have these kind of $50, uh, people that have these kind of $50 phones, these very basic phones, uh, they have limited storage, but it's also they're also used by people that tend to have limited internet. So you get this this thing where they download a lot of things to their phone because they wanna they wanna be able to consume videos uh, without having internet, uh, but their storage is, is very limited too. So they are continuously out of storage. There was this great um, there was this great statistic uh, a couple of years back where I think Western Digital did a survey and they found that one in three. Smartphone users in India run out of space on their phone every day. Uh, so it's like a huge, huge problem. And the phone kind of stops working when it happens, right? So you have, these, you have this group of people there, these, these new internet users that are using their phone. Their phone kind of breaks down because the storage is, is continuously full. But they don't yet have the internet skills or the smartphone skills to be able to clean that up because um, uh, it's, it's tricky to do. You need to kind of f- go into your file system, figure out what is eating up your storage, et cetera. So what we did with files is, is build this extremely intuitive, even fun way to clean up your smartphone. Like we bring these suggestions to you and we have this little mascot which kind of celebrates with you for every megabyte that you free up. Uh, so it becomes a really kind of joyful and, and, and simple experience to, to free up space in your smartphone and keep it running well. Uh, so yes, this was that, that was definitely targeted at this very uh, uh, at these very nascent smartphone users, uh, and that has worked really, really well. Like by now, it's being used by hundreds of millions of people. I think we're at like 200, 200 something million active users. Um, so that definitely resonated really well in the market.
0: Like what you hear so far, make sure to never miss an episode by clicking on the subscribe button now. This podcast has been made possible by listeners like yourself, and I'm thankful for your support. Now, let's head back to the show. Yeah, man, I got to say, just today I use Files. I love this app. It's so straightforward and simple, and I love that mascot that just, you know, cheer up with you. I have a pixel, I have a pixel and I just, you know, it just made the whole thing way easier. I had like other file organizer apps and kind of like it would take it so complicated. They would not sort it by size because I have a ton of apps, you know, I have like gigabytes of apps, uh, you know, on my phone. So I don't have, and I have a lot of other stuff. So this really, you know, makes my life easier. This app. So kudos to you, like awesome job you've got, you guys have done there, uh, you know, but, but I'm curious to know, like what's your overall approach to building these products for these people?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So it, it is very, very heavily research driven. Um, I think we probably have way more researchers on our team than the average product org will have. Um, I think we probably got like one in 10 people or, or even one in five in some teams uh, uh, will be a researcher. So we have a lot of local researchers that are continuously doing foundational research, testing ideas, etc. So Taking a specific example of files, there's some things that we saw on the market, and this is this is a couple of years back, but uh, one of the things that we saw was uh, because kind of the lack of internet um, and people still wanted to consume video and whatever, uh, there was a lot of offline sharing going on. So people shared files with each other without using the internet. Um, and they were using some tools for this, which were uh, pretty insecure and like, had, some, had some issues. So we, we came in and at first, we built this, um, what I thought was like really, really cool offline sharing technology. Uh, so you could share like a gigabyte of, of, of movies or whatever between two phones in like a couple seconds uh, without using the internet. And we built it in a secure way. So there was no way for others to kind of listen into the data. Um, it, it, was, it was kind of a state-of-the-art technology that we built there. But it turned out that actually the, the, the folks that we were targeting they were not that interested in having a secure alternative to what they were already using and all their friends were already using other apps for this. So even though we had this really cool technology which we thought like could work really well for this market, it wasn't uh, it, it 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 didn't it didn't catch fire as much as we hoped. Uh, but what we found what we found looking at these uh, these users and testing this first offline sharing app. Is that there was another uh, related problem? Is that everybody that we interviewed, they were like continuously out of stories on their phone. So th- we started looking at that problem um, uh, being in the market and um, started like prototyping some ideas, uh, particularly me and a, a designer, a very good designer on that team, uh, started prototyping some ideas of kind of like novel ways to, in a very intuitive manner, solve that problem of, of, of storage. And when we started testing that with users, again, going to different markets, we first tested in Brazil where the designer was from. He went back home uh, to visit his family on holiday and he he started testing this with kind of random people on the street and people in shops. And and even this super, super simple prototype that we built back then really resonated with people. So like we got a lot of really positive responses. So we kind of pivoted away from that offline sharing tool that we built and started uh, building out that um, smartphone cleaning tool. And um, we tested it again in India when it was built out a little more. And again, we got really positive response from the people whom we tested it with. And so, so then we really knew like, hey, we got something here. And we started building that out, that out completely and then launched it. And very, very quickly, it took millions of users and it was, it was a big hit in the market. So yeah. it's, it's based on a lot of kind of local research which gives you some ideas. And then based on those ideas that you get from that research, you build some prototypes, you test those with users and then you see what works.
0: Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. So has this whole approach been picked up by other teams at Google? Like the way you go out and, you know, instead of, you know, uh, let's call it like reverse innovation. I think you would also call it as well, where instead of, uh, you know, you start off from designing something uh you know out west and then shipping it all the all, everywhere else like in, in de- developing countries as well now you've taken you know the way you, what you've done with files you started out in the in developing markets and now i'm i'm sitting in canada toronto and i'm using and i'm loving this app right so has this whole approach taken some uh, p- picked up some steam at google for other teams the way you're building products this way
1: yeah, I would say so. It's, uh, it's a fun question. I've, I've never really thought about it in that way, but um, so one other product that came out of our organization was um, uh, initially called Taste, which was a new type of payment product for India, um, and that did really, really well in India. It did a, it a bunch of novel stuff. It was, it was very kind of relationship-based, so rather than being focused on kind of the payment itself, it was very, it was focused on like the businesses that you interacted with a lot, where you kind of had this communication channel with them or like the people that you interacted with a lot. Um, It was focused on savings, like, hey, you can get deals here, you can get deals there. Um, So very different approach to kind of a payment app than what we know, what what we knew here in the US. And uh, that worked really, really well in India. And I think a lot of the ideas uh, uh, that were picked up there in India um, were subsequently taken to the U.S. where we just launched a new Google Pay app. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, a completely revamped uh, Google Pay app here in the U.S., uh, which has a lot of the ideas in it that we learned in India. So I think that's another great example where we did this kind of reverse innovation, uh, uh, looking at emerging markets first and then taking it to the first world. Yeah, And I hope it's, it's definitely my goal to have many more of those success stories in the, in the years to come because... I think it's a great model. And I think I've seen it work many times, innovating for emerging markets and then taking it to kind of traditional Western markets. So I definitely hope to do that more often.
0: 100%, now it's working, right? So there's definitely room for it. Uh, so you mentioned that there's, you have, I, I'm I'm really impressed But you have like, instead one in five or some case one in 10 uh, of your staff, the researchers. Uh, now I'm curious to know how has, uh, from your perspective, from your pro- product management perspective, how has this whole, uh, you know, interviewing has changed because of COVID and everything is remote right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, it, it, it's definitely changed, but it's still working remarkably well, I would say. So what we used to do, I used to go out to the markets like a couple times a year, right? Like uh, I spent quite a bit of time in India, Brazil. We actually went to China quite often um, a little while back too. Uh, different places to to be there uh, at the user interviews, like like observe dozens of them and really kind of absorb um, uh, how users are talking about their smartphones. How users are talk, talking about our prototypes, all that kind of thing, all those kind of things. So when we went on lockdown, I thought like, oh damn, like what's gonna happen now? Like we're not gonna be exposed to our users. This is gonna be terrible. But I would say our research has actually found. Uh, so what they started doing is they started working more closely with local agencies. Um, so there's a bunch of, there's a lot of local agencies and in, in pretty much every market that, uh, that we operate in, uh, local research agencies. And so what we do is we have, uh, we invite one person, like one interviewee at a time to their lab, uh, the interviewer and the interviewee, they sit far apart from each other, uh, but we do a regular interview and at the same time, the, the person that gets interviewed, they, they record their phone. So they kind of do a screen share on their phone and we have a camera on them. So what, what we get to see remotely is this person talking as well as like what, what they're doing on their phone. Uh, and that actually gives you a really, really good view on uh, uh, on, 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 on what's happening. Uh, even when we're sitting in US and this person is sitting in, in India, for example. So that's actually worked really well. and one really fun thing that our research team did on one of the teams that I work on, on, on Cormo jobs, the, the jobs that they were talking about, is they, they did uh, 30 interviews with, uh, with job seekers and some 20 interviews with employers that were using our app. And then they set out this kind of uh, objective for the whole team for last quarter, that everybody everybody on the team, including the engineers, including the designers, including uh the, the 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 operational personnel everybody watched at least three hours of interviews uh during that quarter and so it got to be a bit of a competition where some people watched like 30 hours of research some people watched a couple hours uh but that way like even though everybody was at home on, in lockdown uh everybody still got like really good exposure to the end user mm.
0: Yeah, that's that's incredibly uh, fascinating to hear. Like how how you guys kept kept going, and even you know, sounds like you know the results have been uh, even even better so far. So that's that's, that's awesome to hear. And so, and then so I'm also curious, like when you get all these interviews with like you know this many you know users like that you have, and you know you have these researchers running these interviews all the time. How do you, as a PM, synthesize all these interviews? And I, I guess uh, you know. And kind of like make some sense of them in terms of trends or use cases for, for products?
1: Yes, yeah, so what, what we generally do, so I'm, I'm just gonna because right now with Lockdown, it's a little different. But what we generally do is, so when we do research, we tend to go with a couple people on the team. So there's definitely a researcher there. But then in addition, there will be at least 1pm, uh, very likely a designer, uh, and very likely a few engineers too. Uh, maybe a marketeer as well. Uh, so kind of, we go with like a little team of folks that um, um, uh, we go out into the market and we do all of these user interviews, right? Um, and then what we do is like, after perhaps like six or so interviews, we take a break and we take an afternoon where we come together and we try to, we just discuss and we ch- try to s- uh, synthesize themes that we witnessed uh, um, uh, in all these interviews. So everybody took notes. So and everybody highlighted things in their notes already. And so then we discuss kind of like the things that, that that we observed that we thought were most noteworthy. Um. So that we that we do, and we we get to a couple of themes, and then we do another like six interviews or ten interviews, and we come together again. We spend a whole day together, and we we try we 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 talk about what we've seen, what we witnessed, what we found was interesting, and again that like generates this kind of. Uh, uh all these insights that, uh, that, that we observed. From there the researcher takes it and they create, they go through all the interviews again uh, um, sort of through the notes or the recordings that we have recordings, and they create like a full report based on all those recordings and based on the discussions that we've had uh, uh, based on the, the interviews that we did. Um, and that full report is something that then gets sent out to the whole team and is, is very, very useful as well. So the, our researchers always say that these discussions that we do and like actually being there and seeing the interviews might be more valuable than, than, than reading the report.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And then, so now that things are kind of remote, uh, has it changed by much? Uh, the whole kind of uh, setup up dynamics for like, you know, this, uh, uh, the way that you used to do it in person. Now it's everything is a remote session,
1: I guess. Um. It, it's actually, no, I would say it hasn't, it hasn't changed that much. So what's, what's gotten a little different is that like, not everybody watches all the user interviews. So normally it's like, let's say a team of five people go out into the market and they see all the user interviews. And with the team of five people, we discuss the themes, etc. And right now it's more like, let's say of a team of 30 people, everybody is exposed to some interviews. And so some people have some insights on business interviews, some people on that. So kind of that kind of initial knowledge is more spread out through the team. Um, but some there's always gonna be a few folks that, that, that kind of watch a lot of the interviews. The PM will tend to watch most of the interviews. Designers also tend to watch a lot of them. Um, and they still come together with the researcher then to kind of assemble their main insights and, and, and get to a report from there. So yeah, I, I'd say more people are exposed because it, everything's remote. But perhaps in a kind of a more, uh, not not as deep as 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 as, they use, as as people usually are.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Now I guess for a lot of engineers out there, they they might be listening to this and be like like what is going on? Like I thought I'd be sitting down and coding in, you know, two week sprints, and now it sounds like at Google engineers get to be a part of the whole research and discovery as well. Right. So that's, I think <laughs> a lot of them, might be just surprised to hear all of these, but I guess that's where the innovation comes from. And actually Marty Kagan uh, ref- referenced that and kind of like emphasized to bring on engineers during this discovery uh, interviews, because they're one of the best sources of, uh, I guess, new ideas and kind of like innovative way, innovative ways to fi- kind of like find uh, solutions to the problems. Right. So. Uh,
1: yep. That's awesome. Yeah, we make, we make it a point to make sure that engineers join on research trips.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Joris, uh, how can our listeners, uh, you know, get in touch with you, learn more about you?
1: Uh you can contact me on Twitter. I have a Medium uh page also where I write a little more about uh, uh about this specific topic. Uh yeah, I think that's the best way. Cool. LinkedIn yeah. of course.
0: LinkedIn as well. Yeah, sure. I'll make sure to put the links in the description. Joris, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about, you know, building uh, products for the next billion users.
1: Great. Thank you so much for having me, Cyrus.
0: That's it for this week's episode of PNL Podcast, guys. Thanks for listening. If you like this show, feel free to share it on LinkedIn, social media. Leave a five star review so we can reach more audience. And if you have any suggestions, definitely reach out to me. My email is Cyrus at productmanagerhub.org. Now you can get all the tips and action items of this show for free at this Bitly link I'm gonna give you. It's bit.ly forward slash PMHub24. Also subscribe in your favorite pod Also subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any of the upcoming shows. I'm Cyrus Jirazian and until next show, stay safe and healthy.